welcome to the Shiro Minicast, the best podcast for mini introductions and speed dating. Now today, we uh, have a special treat for you guys. Unfortunately, both Natalie and Peter weren't able to make it to the last minicast to introduce themselves. And luckily, today we have them here to do those introductions. So, without further ado, Mr. Uh, Natalie and Peter. Hello. uh, Hey there. How's it going today, guys? Tired. How about you, Peter? You, You tired as well? Just super happy to be here. I'm glad to hear that. So, uh... We got a couple questions to ask you like we asked everyone else last time. So, Kay, would you like to ask the first one? Yeah. So, um, Peter, uh, what got you interested in the Saturn? Well, I've always been a Genesis fan during the 16-bit era, and so Saturn just seemed to be the natural progression of that. And I remember in late 95 actually renting a Saturn unit from... Uh, blockbuster and i took it with virtua fighter 2 and with the original panzer dragoon and seeing that opening cinema that just blew my mind i mean that really showed me how much further these uh next generation machines were going to push gaming and then that soundtrack just hooked me and you know i just knew i had to have that system and, you know, for full disclosure, I did ultimately also end up with a PlayStation and an N64, but all the experiences were on Saturn. That just had, that had all the stuff that, uh, that as a gamer just made your heart pump. Very nice. Natalie, how about you? For me, I'm not going to be as specific to the year of how I, uh, got introduced to Saturn. I just remember four years ago when it was, still uh, the current gen console of its time I went over to a friend's house to play and initially it was just N64 and you know Genesis and all those at the time but uh, I remember one time I came over and then all of a sudden there was this new console and then I had no idea because I saw oh, it's disk space there's no cartridges anymore and, I, and he told me it was a Sega Saturn so I wanted to try it and the first and only game that he had was Knights so I played it, and I just thought the graphics were unreal. And for me, that was kind of the hook right there. Nice, yeah. I think that was my first one as well as uh, Virtual On. Those are some of my favorite titles on the Saturn. Yeah. Do you have any experience playing uh, Virtual On at all? Virtual On, no. I plan to at least pick up a copy or back up to at least give it a shot. But I hear it's good. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. I think... Uh, I spent time in the arcades playing that one, and when I knew it was on Saturn, I like uh, I freaked out. I never knew there was really sound a console. It's Get yourself uh, the VoIP set up, and we can play online. Yeah, I'll, I have to do that eventually. Yeah, you that do. Will happen though. You did a podcast on it. <laughs> I know I did a podcast on it. No, I'm just giving you a hard time. You always are, dude. No, I was talking to Natalie, though. Forget you, Pat. <laughs> oh, thanks. So, you guys, uh, let's start with Peter. What, what are your top three favorite Saturn games? Oh, boy, well, that's a hard question, because I think there are so many just AAA titles to choose from, but I think the easy answer for me is Nights into Dreams. I think initially when I started playing the game back in the day, it was all about, well, you know, let's just finish it as quickly as possible, let's get to the ending... And it, it was over pretty fast, but you know, the more you played it, the more you realized that really it was all about going for that high score. Um, I ultimately ended up finding some Japanese high scores that were just 
you know, light years ahead of what I could pull off. And I just made it a mission to see if I can, you know, get into that level of, of score. And ultimately I did. And it was just unbelievably fun. And then I started noticing all the other aspects of nights, like the A-Life um, and the changing music. And so, you know, to me, that's just been a, an evergreen game. And that's definitely my number one Saturn game. And as for number two and three, I mean, like I said, there's a list that that we can have a whole podcast on that. But um, so many good things to choose from the Shining series. There's Dragon Force, Power Slave, and I could go on and on. I'll just say that Knights is absolutely my number one. Yeah, I'm jealous of your skill, Peter. I have to say, when I come into some more time here, I'm going to be hitting you up for some tutelage on on Knights because I thought I was decent at the game, but then uh, you kind of set the bar so high. You hold the highest score, right? Yeah, I've got uh, the highest score that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that you know we'll do we'll do some sort of a session where I maybe try to teach I would some of it. my tricks. Oh, that that would be great. That would be so great. What about you, Natalie? What what are your top three? My top three first one has got to be Saturn Bomberman. I've always been a huge fan of the series since it came out. Well, I mean, not necessarily to say it came out because obviously it came out actually before the Game Boy, like the MSX and all that. But uh, it was really good on the Saturn just because of the music. And it was just such, um, so vibrant with all the colors on the screen. And it was just something that I always get really into. Um, afterwards, I would say probably Batsugun just because it's a, uh, it's a good shoot 'em up that's not necessarily like too unforgiving it's it allows a little bit of like enjoyment as well even if you're not the best player at that uh genre Mm -hmm. and then um probably nights after that yeah batsugan is cool as ice just like my favorite ice man it's one of the better shooters it's a lot of fun but if we had number four i would have to say uh the shinrei jusetsushi taramaru Ooh, that one's good that's the psychic assassin one right yeah, I could play that for hours. Yeah, I tried playing that one. I always, got, I always did awful at that. I'm more of a vertical shooter guy. Yeah, I think um, Chaz tried it out a couple of nights ago, and he's not a fan either. I'm kind of, kind of sad. Disappointment. There's plenty of good Saturn games to go around, though. Just means sure, more yeah. games for everyone else, right? We all seem to have knights in common, though. Well, that's cool. <laughs> at least everybody. Most... <laughs> Somebody was posting on the junkyard, like, is knights overrated? I certainly don't think so. I mean, I, I think it's like one of those one games that overrated or overhyped and nights do not go in the same sentence. I think it's just a solid, fun game. But more than anything, it's just revolutionary, you know? It's just so different. It's really hard to say that it's overhyped. Yeah, I wouldn't say overhyped or underrated, but I think it's like perfect in the middle. I'm just more impressed with the graphic uh, power of the time of what it was capable of doing for a game like that. Knights is kind of like the embodiment of this idea that here's gaming as you know it and now here's this new console and we're going to pretty much just scrap everything you knew and go in a completely different direction with pretty much most of our game lineup you know like Panzer Dragon Saga and you know most of the stuff you get on the Saturn just go like and now for something completely different <laughs> you know it was like not really like the Mega Drive at all Sega Saturn's Flying Circus basically for better it was very stood at the time too I think you know, folks at the time were trying to compare it to the other big titles like Crash and Mario, and it, you just couldn't compare Impossible. it. It was so completely different. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, Crash is much easier to compare to Mario because it tries to exist in that same in that same space of you know just linear progression and and you know jumping on boxes and picking stuff up. And, but I mean, Knights just it's just off the wall. It's just different. I don't know that I've ever played a game like it. But should we move on? Yeah, sure. So uh, my question for you guys is, what would you say is your favorite Sega Saturn memory? All right, I'll start. Um, I think there's a lot for me. A couple that stand out. First of all, being a Saturn gamer back in the day, back when the console was current, I felt was actually, you know, a very lonely experience. There was no internet back then, or at least not as widespread as it is now. So connecting with other Saturn gamers... You know, unless, you know, you knew them locally, it didn't really happen. And virtually everybody else played either N64 or PlayStation. So, you know, you'd go through certain games that were exclusive to Saturn and you'd think that they were just amazing or you'd discover some neat trick or secret or, you, you know, you had some sort of experience and you just, you, there's no way to share that with anybody because nobody had any idea what you were talking about. So initially for me, it was, you know, it was very lonely. Um Another really cool memory for me was Nights into Dreams finally uh, breaking a million points in a single level. Um, I had seen some scores out of Japan where the odd individual had done it, but then having to be able to do it myself was pretty special. Um, Depending on the screen you're in with Nights, that score counter stops at six digits, so when you hit into the million plus score and it's in that seventh digit it doesn't quite roll over so you know it's sort of neat to see that wow i think i just pushed this game further than the um uh programmers you know figured that the average gamer would and so that was that was a really neat memory for me cool you still have that save no i lost the save but i'm working on getting those scores right back up there nice what about you uh what about you natalie what would you say your favorite sega saturn memory is I kind of have to go in with two different ones. Uh, first being picking up the controller for the first time, seeing the intro go through the BIOS splash, and it was just something new for me. And it felt so exciting because it was like one of the first uh, CD-based consoles that I had you know, come across. And then uh, if I have to add in a second one, but if, if, uh, if there was to be a second, it would be just finally getting the chance at least you know now to modify the console and for me that's just as exciting because i get to make it everything i ever wanted it to be cool what kind of mods have you done to your saturn if you don't want me asking right now it has a uh, region free bios uh 1.01 on my uh, japanese saturn and i also did the fram mod so no backup saves will ever get deleted once the battery actually dies. And I also have a Phantom IC chip, so backups are possible. Oh, nice. That sounds like, a, that sounds like one hell of a Saturn. So, Natalie, how does that Fram mod work? I mean, is that like, that memory is almost like an SD card or something? How does that work? It's basically a direct replacement onboard chip. It's the same exact uh, pinout for the most part, except um, 
one of the legs on the chip has to be lifted and grounded. And、mm-hmm. then、uh, this, the saves are,、uh, in capacity are still limited to the,、uh, the BIOS. It's, you can't get around it, you can't increase it at the moment. So、oh. it stays as what it was. And all, the only difference is that it's non volatile memory. So、oh. it has no、um, reason to let、again. that save go. Yeah, basically, just there's no like a battery update to that thing. So basically, it, it's not asking for it anymore. Cool. Nice. Did you have to desolder the, that whole cir- that, the circuit in there, though? Yeah, you have to desolder the、uh, original RAM chip you know,、uh, and then put the new one on. Same goes for the BIOS. And... Nice. Hopefully, you had a solder sucker with that. You didn't have to get like little,、uh, what was that called? The, the wick and put it on there and take them all off. Mm-hmm. Well, the way I did it was I actually I kind of do it a little bit. I mean, for me, it's easier, and some people are against the way you this, cut the legs. I, I snip the legs with a very, very strong and fine like、uh, cutters, and、mm-hmm. I snip them at the very top of the chip, remove the chip, and then I basically、uh, push the legs that are left off, and then I wick the entire、um, all the pads down, and then lay new solder and just set it in. Sure. So.、Yeah. That's legit. I mean, I've seen, I've seen people like Voltaire do that before. And... Yeah, if you don't have a heat gun. I have strong opinions against Voltaire. <laughs> Why? Why are you hating against Voltaire? I feel like he's kind of messy and just a big shit talker. Sounds about right. Because I, I'm very particular and I take a lot of pride in my work in, in terms of modifying and repairing. And... You don't like to talk bad about douchey dance? Deutsch and Dance sucks too. That works. I've seen all the, the horrible videos and people telling about you know, the, the hot glue mess. It's like, that's just not how you do it professionally. If you want people to respect your work, you've got to do it where it looks like it's factory. Yeah, I mean, it's not a solder replacement, it's, it's not even close to that. Like, even when people use it just to hold stuff down, I'm still like,、uh, you'd probably just make the lines a lot shorter. Because I plan to、uh, contribute to the website、uh, to show tutorials on how to do it. And what I'm going to show is, what, in my opinion, the best way to go about modifying your Sega Saturn where it looks good, works good, and it doesn't look like you just have a spaghetti mess or it doesn't look like it's、uh, cheaply done or rushed. It just it looks like it's factory. That's, that's the way I feel like it should always be. Mm-hmm. That's a really great way to look at it, and I 100% agree with you. So, Natalie, are you an engineer technician or do that for a living? No, not at all. <laughs> okay, I was just curious. Cool. So,、um, Claire, do you want to take the next question? Yeah. So, in the past few days, I don't know if you guys have、um, been around the Facebook groups at all, but there's been some discussion about which displays we all use for retro gaming. So, I'm curious, what kind of display do you use, and which aspect ratio do you play in? 4x3 or 16x9? Peter? Oh, it's got to be 4x3 all the way, all the time.、Um, you know, yes, that means you've got borders on either side of your screen, but you're playing the game the way that the、uh, programmers originally intended it. In terms of what kind of display I use, So, I've actually got a couple of mid 2000s、um, plasma、uh, TVs that I use that luckily natively accept a 240p signal. 
And so I actually have uh, an RGB transcoder. So I've got SCART cables for my Saturns, and then I output it uh, over component onto my plasma display, and it looks phenomenal. It looks really, really sharp. And I mean, you know, I know that for a lot more effort and certainly money, I could probably go for something a little bit better. Rather, I should sort of start wandering down that rabbit hole but I'm, I'm really quite happy with the current setup that I have. The colors come through really nicely on the, uh, on the plasma, and it's extremely sharp. And I know some folks prefer to have, you know, the sort of the scan lines, first of all, or else the slightly blurry image. But I'm all about seeing every pixel as sharp as possible. And uh, the current uh, display that I have, you know, really does a good job. And you didn't notice any input lag on that setup? Like whatsoever. I mean, you're essentially transcoding your uh, image signal and then it goes right into your TV and there's no processing lag apparent anyways, not in the TV and not in the transcoder either. So it's a very uh, clean, quick, easy uh, setup and I've got no issues whatsoever. I'd recommend it for anybody looking for a cheap setup. What kind of transcoder was that? Was that the, the shiny bow one? I don't actually see a brand name on the box itself. Um, I bought it on eBay for, it was something like $60 way back in the day, but I actually still see them on even now. Um, but no, it's not, I don't, it's quite generic. I don't think it actually has any branding on it whatsoever. It's probably yeah. like saying or something like that. It's like a, it's probably like a, one of those unbranded black Chinese boxes. Yeah, but I mean, it does a pretty simple job. I mean, it's just, yeah. It's just going, you know, YPPBR to RGB color space. Um, what what kind of TV did you say you had? I missed that. Panasonic uh, plasma TV from the mid two thousands. Okay. You know those. Wow, Peter, time. you are describing my exact setup right now. I'm also on a Panasonic plasma from the mid two thousands. So. Seven twenty p or ten eighty p. Seven twenty p is as high as it'll go. Okay. So that actually probably looks pretty nice then. Oh, it looks really, really great. Like um, the screenshots that I've taken uh, for my article so far have literally just been camera close to the TV and they've come off really nice and I don't process those images like through Photoshop or anything like that. So what you're seeing is what I'm seeing as I play. So it's a really, really nice picture. Cool. Um, and then, you know, TVs from that time period have the new inputs like you've got your hdmi inputs and what have you but you've got all of your uh sort of more traditional inputs like s video and component and everything like that and everything sort of goes in you don't have any you know incompatible signals that i've come across anyways so mid 2000s plasmas are really valuable to me nice nice cool so natalie what kind of display do you use for your saturn gaming I wish I could say that I was on the same boat with the CRTs or with like everybody else, but my last CRT that I had and the many others, well, the last one literally blew up when I was using it and it was nothing too extravagant. It was just a Magnavox, nothing like a PBM or anything, which I would really like. But right now, all I have is an LG HDTV 1080p. It still has, you know, the component and composite abilities. So right now I'm having to use composite with my Saturn. And I really would like a start to component setup, but right now money is not in my favor, so I'm kind of having to hold off. You had a really fun road ahead of you if you really want to get into all that stuff. 
For sure. And which aspect ratio do you play in? Do you play in the stretched 16 by 9 or the 4 by 3? It honestly depends on my mood. And since most of my mood is tired, I'm tending to leave it on 16 by 9 without even thinking because I'm just like, I want to play this game and it doesn't look too far off for me. But then once I switch to 4 by 3 when I realize it, I'm just like, oh, no, <laughs> this looks much better. But I, what I'm doing is probably just going to leave it in, I'm assuming, 16 by 9 for now when it's on this TV. And then when I get another CRT or maybe if I can come across a PVM, it'll be stuck in 4 by 3 all the time. I gotcha. Is there any PVMs you want to look for specifically or is it just anything that comes along? I mean, considering that they're not very common, at least around where I'm at, I would probably just go with whatever I can, but I've seen a couple of these like Sony PVMs, at least when I've been watching some of the Game Tech US videos on YouTube, and I really like his, but I know they're kind of pricey sometimes. Yeah, my friend is actually selling his in Arizona. He wants like $300 for the, uh, I think it's a 20M2U or something. Hasn't he been selling that thing for like months now? <laughs> How do you even know that's him? Because you've told this story before, Pat. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I'm like, I he's still I'm more selling sick it. Than I thought. Yeah, he's yeah. still trying to sell it. $325. If anyone's interested, he's in the CRT Collective. Honestly, Natalie, get on Craigslist and grab yourself a mid-2000s consumer Sony Trinitron with component inputs and you'll be happy. Um, I feel despite- like Craigslist is so shady. I have to go to like OfferUp and eBay. Okay, I guess it depends on where you're at. I mean, in San Diego, I've had luck with it, but um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess it depends on where you're at. But basically, you know, you get yourself a like a between twenty to twenty-seven inch. I mean, you can go bigger if you want, but they're just really heavy. But you get a consumer Sony Trinitron or even like an XBR with component inputs, and it'll look amazing. I mean, yeah, there's a difference between that and a PVM, and then even more so with a BVM, but I mean, you're going to pay through the nose, and you're not going to see that much of a difference. Yeah. And, and honestly, the BVM isn't going to look like what you remember as a kid. The The consumer Trinitron will actually look like a really nice version of what you remember as a kid, you know? And, yeah, and let's face it, nobody wants to pay $1,000 for a CRT. Let's be real here. <laughs> I mean, I love the look of Phosphor. Um, definitely has its own look. But yeah, I wouldn't pay that much for, for you know, like a 20-inch BVM. As much as it sucked to have my CRT blow up when I was using it, it was quite a scene. Sure. You mean the blowing up? <laughs> no, not, not like pieces of metal and shit everywhere. No, but it's like when it, uh, when it failed, it just had this, like, pop that was like a, having a pipe bomb. It was extremely loud, and it just filled the room with smoke, and it was just pulling black everywhere, and it was just horrible. It was like a Michael Bay film, and you like had to like jump out of the way. No, that's 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 crazy though. I've I've actually never heard of a CRT blowing up on somebody during use. So, but that sounds like I a flyback really, or something went bad. I just didn't even care to open it, and I was like, yeah, I just this is no, not what you're my better thing. off not opening it. Yeah. Straight in the trash. So here's a funny question, you guys. Uh, This was one question that we asked the last group, and uh, I don't know why they put this on the list of questions, but what, which of Pat's Shiro intros do you like the best? None. (laughs) There you go. 
You know, so I've listened to all the casts, and there were a couple that really stood out for me. The Christmas one where, you know, we're the only cast that something like scares your children at Christmas. And even this most recent one, the only cast to offer a rolling start and how it cut away to the Daytona music. Like, I mean, that's pure cheese, but I love it. It's just awesome. Yeah, that was Pat's inspiration. Thank you. Dave, Dave put that together. I, I make that up and send it to him, but I completely forgot. But that was your idea, right, Pat? Yeah, That's what you, told but me you, picked up, you picked up my slack, though. I appreciate that. That's okay. So, guys, one more silly question to kind of round out our mini-interviews today. And I'll ask Peter first. What is your most embarrassing gaming moment? Oh, boy. Okay, so I do have a few. I'll mention them real quick. Uh, I mentioned earlier about how I use a transcoder for my uh, picture display. Well, that thing needs its own power supply and I had to go and buy a power adapter separately well I was in such a rush to get this going and to get that better picture on my TV screen that I didn't really pay attention to the wattage and and I know that sounds absolutely ridiculous but I plugged that sucker in and I turned on literally fried that transcoder like we're talking smoke and sparks and everything so that was pretty embarrassing uh, not too long after, I actually ended up picking up a white Japanese Sega Saturn, and once again, I didn't really pay attention to the voltage. This time, though, I was fortunate, and I didn't fry anything, because I guess between uh, us and Japan, there isn't too much of a difference, so I was okay there. Uh, the last one that I'll mention real quick is, back in the day, I really wanted to get my hands on a copy of Christmas Nights, and there was a fool at work who... Uh, you know, wanted to make a quick buck off of me and essentially sold me on this idea that he's got a copy for me. If I just pay him up front, he'll get it for me. Um, you know, and he ended up being, he just wanted the money to, to buy his next bit of drugs or whatever it was, and uh, he ended up quitting. And I should have, I mean, I should have known. It was just such a naive move of, of me to just hand over the money because I just wanted that game so badly. And in retrospect, that's pretty embarrassing. He obviously needed his drugs more than than I needed Christmas nights or that he needed his job. So, Oh, we read that. We read that on the Christmas cast. Or now I'm remembering that, that story. Oh, yeah. I think I actually read that, too. That's crazy, though, Peter. I'm sorry about that. I think we should uh, get you a copy of Christmas nights. Oh, he got it, finally. Oh, that's good. I'm happy to hear. But yeah, no, I did end up... Like, I wanted that game super badly, so I did boss, end up... your boss, right? He, like, ended up getting it for you? Exactly. So, you know, I did get it in the end, so the story does have a happy ending. It's just, you know, sometimes you, you know, you want a game so bad that you just, you're blind to some very obvious hints and clues in front of you that a deal probably isn't going to work out. And, and, you know, that's that was my story. That was me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's happened to the best of us. I know I can sure say that. I've had a deal or two with Saturn that hasn't quite worked out the way that I had hoped. So I'm just glad that you got it in the end, Peter. So, um, Natalie, I'll throw it over to you. What is your most embarrassing gaming moment? I can't really think of a one that's necessarily like a gaming moment, but something in relation to gaming. So because I do modding and repair work for my consoles or other people's, uh, and it's not even Saturn, but somebody had given me a Neo Geo AES console to install a new BIOS into. And I was kind of in a rush because I was on my way to work. And 
I decided to just to do it real quick and I kind of just went too fast. I wasn't taking my time and I had screwed it up a little bit. So when I had tested it and the person was already expecting the console within an hour's time from when I was doing it, it, uh, it did not show any kind of graphical, like normal picture at all. It just, it was garbled and it just looked horrible. And it, it was bad to me and that was embarrassing because I have a good track record so far and I was, you know, promising this person that it's going to look great. It's going to, you know, be everything they wanted and it's going to be done soon. But I just, I kind of just said too soon and I shouldn't have placed such a harsh timeline on myself. How did that uh, end up working out? I ended up telling the person that, uh, just give me another day and I'll, I'll have it fixed. And... I just ended up going across like the board of several times, just checking with continuity over everything. And there's, you know, hundreds of points. It took me a couple hours and I found there was just a few points that were just really kind of sketchy already to start with. But because they didn't give me a cartridge to test the console prior, I didn't even know if they were telling me the truth. Regardless, though, I repaired several traces that were kind of sketchy. And then uh, one trace leading from the VRAM to the BIOS was just shot already. So to be honest, I don't remember because I didn't quite get a good look at it before I started. I gotcha. You were able to get it to work though eventually, right? Oh yeah, like it was just two hours after I said I was going to start looking at it, it was up and running. Nice, congrats. Yeah, I don't know if you heard about it, but on a few years cast, I actually got uh, a couple months ago a uh, MVS board and got that consoleized. But luckily, all the slots were were socketed, so all I had to do was remove the chip and put the Unibios in there. Yeah, and while the you know the Unibios is actually supposed to be socketed, uh, the customer had given me the BIOS without a socket. And now that's possible; you could still put it in there, but it's just uh, not the right way to do it. But that's what they wanted me to do. Nice, nice. We might have to talk uh, Neo Geo stuff later. You guys with your cartridge Neo Geo games. Sorry. CD only, baby. <laughs> Nobody's got time for that, Dave. Nobody's kidding. got time with I don't have time to wait hey, for Hey, man. We have time for it. At season 1, Episode 2, Neo Geo on Sega Saturn. That's Saturn load times, not Neo Geo CD load time. SNK Neo Geo Shiro. Yeah. That's I keep, trying, I keep trying to defend the CDZ, but they don't believe me. <laughs> Well, hey, don't hate on the CDC. I have a top loader, uh, Neo Geo CD, and that thing is great. So I know the load Mm -hmm. times, but whatever. Yeah. So um, this was a getting to know you episode for uh, two more of your newest heroes. Peter, who is uh, heading our editorial and article writing. And Natalie, who will be doing uh, in-depth videos and articles about modifying your consoles and uh, getting the most out of your systems. She's our mad scientist. <laughs> definitely. So we definitely wanted to uh, thank them for joining us today, and thank you guys for listening. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good night and good fight. And always remember, you must play Sega Saturn. <laughs>